So we're looking at this morning pure motives. From clean to pure, we're carrying on. Um, I know we can't get through what I'm going to talk about this morning, but I'm going to leave you at a point where I can continue. So for the first time, I'm not trying to complete everything. Key scripture is James chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. We've been reading this scripture and it says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder of every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving, and then it's considerate, and it's submissive, and it's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial, and it's, in, and it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So in this journey of going from clean to pure, why are we going from clean to pure? Because when we're born again, we're made clean. But then we, need, then we have to pursue a life of purity. Clean because we're washed, we're forgiven of our past. We're given a robe of righteousness, amen? So we're made clean. But pure is something that has to come into your life because your motives, your attitudes, your old nature needs purifying. Because I don't know if you've discovered like I've discovered, there's some dark stuff in my nature. Is yours like that? My nature sometimes can be very dark. And uh, only as I'm pursuing a relationship with Christ, does he put his finger on it and says, well, I'll have, well, have that out of you, son. I don't like that in your life. I don't like that in your life. And I don't like that. That's from your mother. That's from your father. I don't know where that's from. And God can pinpoint where certain things have originated. We don't know. We just accumulate things, don't we? So God is able to put his finger on it and says, let me purify you in that area. You're already clean because of the word I've given you but you need to be pure in every area. So when heaven opens, heaven is first of all pure. So this is why the believer needs to carry heaven in their hearts. And heaven is looking for a place to land on earth. And heaven lands, it doesn't land in buildings, it lands on people and in people. And people carry heaven because in heaven is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom's carried, and the kingdom's distributed, it's imparted. But wherever the kingdom opens, it's first of all pure. And then you see the fruits that come from that purity is sincerity, peace. Um, let me go back to it. Consideration, submissive, submission. Someone who's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers. Wow, the world needs peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. False. Uh, Sorry, uh, Matthew says, for they will raise a harvest of righteousness. So we need good uh, people who can carry that dimension of heaven because heaven wants to pour itself out. Now, the Bible says there's a wisdom that when heaven opens up, there's a wisdom given. Now, we know there's a wisdom of this age and there's a wisdom of the kingdom age. There's two wisdoms. How many of you know there's two wisdoms? Pastor Peter spoke about it in our Agents of Change. There's a wisdom that leads to destruction and there's a wisdom that is pure and leads to eternal life. So when this wisdom, the pure wisdom, hits the earth, it exposes the false wisdom or the spirit of this age. Does that make sense? So we want heaven to pour out. So in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we've got quite a few scriptures this morning. That's why I've put them on the board for you to help you because I'm merciful. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 2 and we're looking at motives. And first of all, we have secret sinful desires that breed secret sinful motives. Yes? One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very, very beautiful. Not beautiful, not, not bad looking. She was very, very beautiful. I mean, in, in Persian, they would say, Chelichuk. Khushdib. Right? The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Then David sent messengers, get her. And she came to him, and he slept with her. That easy. She had purified herself from uncleanliness when she'd finished. And then she went back to her home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Just what you don't want to hear. I'm pregnant. David wanted his pleasure. 
And now she's pregnant. Wow. What does she do? It was a secret desire that, he, that captured his heart by walking on the rooftop. He saw a woman bathing. Because if you notice in the Middle East, the houses are on all different levels. And they have the flat roof. And, you, and he's walking out there. And all of a sudden, he looks. Now, what he should have done was saw her and turned away. But, like most men, it's the second look that kills him. And he stands there and he's thinking, hey, she's all right. In fact, she's very tasty. I'll have some of that. I'm the king. I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, and to who I want. So David says, I like this woman, go and get her. So she comes. And as a result, he ends up having sex. She ends up getting pregnant. And now he has to live with his sinful secret desire his motive is now going to be exposed so if you go to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and go to 4 to verse, sorry we're in the chat Samuel go to verse 14 he says in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab so now David's now realized he's got a conscience about his motives and now he's got to clean up his mess yeah like most of us do so in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line. This is her husband. Uriah's her Bathsheba's husband. Where the fighting is the first. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. What a lousy rat. This guy has been serving you, fighting for you, so that you could maintain your kingdom. And now, because you slept with his wife, you want to put him on the front lines of the battlefield. See, when you've got a sinful motive, it'll do anything to clear its mess up. True? It's amazing what people do. See, in a murder case, what do they have to establish? Motive. Because there's always a motive. It's not just what they did, it's why they did it. True? Because why you did it will determine the judgment. Is that not true? So the first fight, so put him on the front line where he'll be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. David thinks, hey, he's gone. He's gone, he's gone. Now I can have his wife. No one will ever know. And when she becomes my wife, I can say, well, yeah, yeah, you know, she, I got, we got, she got pregnant. It was all legitimate. But no. And then God loves it. So that was, we go from secret sinful desires. I'm not, I'm ahead of myself here. I'm not even. I feel this thing does my head in. It doesn't work at the pace I want it to. When I do that, click, you do. Okay. Yeah. So, secret sinful desires breed secret sinful motives. Then, in, in verse 14 to 17, deceit tries to clean up and hide shameful motives. Deceit tries to clean up and hide shameful motives. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, so you can hit the next slide, all sinful motives will be exposed. If you are a believer... All your sinful motives will be exposed. Why? Because heaven will open up and it will want to purify what's wrong inside of you. We all have motives. Every one of us must has motives. True? So it says here, why did you despise? Now what's happened is the prophet now has turned up to David. This is after the event. David thinks he's got away with it. And the prophet of God stands between David and he says, Heaven has seen your sin. Nobody else saw your sin, but we saw it. In other words, the prophet seen it and heaven saw it. So we saw it. And now God, let me speak into your situation. Because David, now you're going to be exposed. Nobody knows, but heaven knows. So your secret sins and your secret motives are now going to be exposed. This is why we say as a Christian, we don't need to live with any skeletons in the cupboard. Because once your skeletons are out your cupboard, what can life do to you? The man with a secret is not, you know, is not greater than the man who has no secrets to keep. Do you understand that? The man who's trying to keep secrets is no greater, is not better than the man who has no secrets to keep. If I don't have any secrets to keep, I can go anywhere. But if I've got secrets to keep, 
I don't know. If I have too much drink, I could end up splurting it out. But if I've got no secrets to keep, see, I've got no secrets to keep from my wife. Not one. Well, maybe one. <laughs> Not like that. But no, I have, no, I, have no, I have nothing that I cannot say to her, I did that, forgive me. If I've done anything wrong, it's between me and my father of that nature. If I've done anything sexual or anything like that, I have to go and tell Carol. I, have, I haven't done anything like that. I've got no secrets like that between me and my wife. So I don't have to keep anything like that. Amen? But between me and God, I'm a, you know, we sin, don't we? So I don't have to tell my wife every sin I commit. God hears my heart. But I have to tell her if it involves me and her. Does that make sense? So if you sin tomorrow, you had a thought about something. You don't have to go and tell your wife. But if it's a, if it's a thought that violates your relationship between your wife, then you need to talk to her. Yeah? Does that, am I making myself clear here? Because every sin you commit, you'll be saying, love, love. She'll be thinking, you're crazy. You're a nutter. That's why you've got God. Talk to him. I don't need to hear half of that stuff. It doesn't involve me. If it involves me, tell me. So, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his, high, his eyes, God's eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and you took his wife to be your own. <laughs> He's right on the scene. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. Uh-oh. Consequences. Payback. Because you despise me and you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity. Oh, before your very eyes, I will take your wives and I'll give them to the one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Oh, you did. You did it in secret. But I'll do this thing in broad, open daylight. Wow. Hey, when God's... When God's against you, when God's against you for, you for the things you do, it's serious. Serious. So guys, don't take someone else's wife and try and keep it a secret. Ladies, don't allow any other bloke to take you. Amen? You think, well, the pastor doesn't know. I don't need to know. I'm not your judge. Well, I can lift up. He doesn't know half of it. I don't need to know half of it. I don't need to know a quarter of it. I don't need to know any of it. When you lift up your holy hands, you're exposed, you're gone. So Matthew chapter 7. Next slide, Phil. A good tree, verse 18, of Matthew chapter 7, verse 18, says a good tree, are you a good tree this morning, church? Cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, good fruit, just like an apple tree doesn't produce bananas. If you're looking for an apple tree that bears bananas, I'll tell you now, save your time. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Amen? Now, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they've got motives. Yes? Motives. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's carry on. But only you, but only he, only they, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I don't know you. Away from me, you muppet. It's in my Bible, that muppet. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. Why? Because not everyone who's using my name carries my heart. Not everyone who's doing what I'm doing got, has got the same motive. Some people want to feather their own nest. Some people want to write, use the church, use God, use the ministry to get to the top of the ladder. They use the church like it's a career. So not everyone carries the same motive. Not everyone who raises holy hands is connecting to the same thing. But our Father in, who is in heaven knows. And he knows the secrets of every man's heart. That's why you can't hide from God. 
See, the word of God, it says in Hebrews, is living and it's active. Right? And it's sharper and it divides. It cuts to joint and marrow, to sinew. It divides the, the attitudes, the, every part of us. It says, so everything will be exposed. The word of God will expose everything. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there can be no impure motives. Every man must be clear. Every man must be clean. Every man and woman must be pure. The sons of Sceva, they had a different motive for using the power of the Holy Ghost. Who was it? The guy who uh, wanted to buy the Holy Ghost? What's he called? Simon. Simon wanted to buy the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because his motive was different from the disciples. He thought, I can use this to draw a crowd to myself, raise money for myself. I can get rich out of this power. And that's when Peter says, let it perish with you. Because your motives are not the same. It's amazing how many people have come to me and said, you know, Pastor, I, I love you, Pastor. I want you to be my spiritual dad. I look at him and I go, well, if you're here in two years, we'll see. It's amazing how many people have walked away. How many people told you they love you? How many people on a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night are looking for a woman? They'll tell her, they'll tell her anything she wants to hear. But what's the motive? To sleep with them. Self-gratification. Every evil desire. Every type of what we read in James is there in our streets. Everyone's using people for the wrong things. Yesterday, I was in a shop and a man gave me, uh, I, I bought a sandwich and I gave him a five pound note and he gives me tenner, change from a ten pound. So I'm thinking, ooh, ten pound. Change for ten pound. I'm sat at the table, having a drink of coffee and the Lord says, you've been with me all week, haven't you? I said, yes, and I'm hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying. He says, you've been with me all week, haven't you? Give it him back. So, listen, this is what happens. When heaven opens, it's pure. So I says to the man, I says, uh, excuse me, fella. You, it wasn't a tenner, it was a fiver. Oh, 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 cheers, cheers, fella. Yeah, yeah. When he opened a the till, there was a few fivers and tenors turned up the wrong way. And I just thought yours was a ten pound. So then later on, I'm having me a cup of coffee and he's talking to his assistant. And heaven let me in on the conversation. And there was a woman before him. And she must have caused him a bit of either. And he's berating this woman. Now that woman, get it, get it, get it. And then he says this. See that man over there? Every time he comes in this shop, give him free coffee. That's what he said. I heard him. I thought, ooh. Free coffee. Free coffee. Oh, you don't know what that means to me. No, don't end it. It's a cappuccini right there, that is. Right? He says, free coffee. And I'm just listening. And Lord says, see, listen to what he's going to say. He said, that woman over there, da, 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 da. But this man, you know what he did? Give me this. You never see that today. That man is good. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Cool. <laughs> cool. And God says, it was a fiver. Get over it. <laughs> Why? Because when heaven opens up, it's got to be, first of all, pure. It's how you respond and react. And it was a, in, it was a small little thing which showed me that, you know what? When you, get, when you do what's right, people notice it because it stands out. No one gives change back. You think, that's bare money. The wife doesn't know about that, right? right? And you know, so, so blokes, if you've done that, don't go home and tell your wife, I sinned. Just go and tell your father, your heavenly father. So here we see that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're living like a backslidden person, how can you keep raising your hands and calling him Lord, Lord, and expect to get the blessings? It doesn't work. Why? Because God is sifting out impure or unpure motives in every one of us. God will test you. God's putting you in the place. God's putting you in the fire. God's going to put you in situations, whether it be a five pound, a 10 pound, a 20 pound. If I can't handle a five, why can't I handle a thousand? Do you know what I'm saying? So here we see in... Next slide, Phil. 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 28 verse 9. And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him wholehearted, with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. Is that clear for us? God searches our hearts and he understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. 
Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. This is, he's about to undertake on one of the greatest projects ever seen. And here's he's saying, look, you know, and you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly with devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, God's saying, look, look, if you seek me, you'll find me. But if you forsake me, Solomon, you're gone. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Whenever, whenever heaven proclaims over a person's life, it always tells them to stay pure. Because he's saying, look, guys, I'm going to... Cons- I'm, I'm, you need to consider some things in order to make a conclusion. Yes? You need to consider some things in order to make the right conclusion. If you're going to be a believer, a Christian, God is going to check every motive in your heart. He will check your heart. So, church, I am praying that God will do that to us because this whole thing about clean to pure discipleship, God is going to clean us up. Seriously, get involved with us. Because... He sees this morning how we worship him. He wants, he says, those guys want to draw near to me. So as they draw near to me, I'll purify them. And that's what we want, don't we? So there's nothing evil, nothing wrong, insincere, unpure, partial, insincere in our hearts. We want to be peacemakers with God. We want to make peace with God. Amen? Does that help you? And then Proverbs 16, verse 2, it says, All men's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. <laughs> he's got us, guys. He's got our email address. He, he's, he's, he knows what we're sending. He knows what calls we're making. He knows what emails we're sending. He knows what websites we look at. He knows what conversations we have. He knows what gossip we, we create. He knows everything. So a dangerous place for a worshiper is in worship. Because his heart gets exposed. Amen? I love that about God. To live with a clear, pure motive in your heart is not, you know, in your heart that are not selfish is to be free. Do you realize that? To be able to stand before God and you've got no impurity, no evil thoughts. It's to be free. That's truly to be free. It really is to be free. Not to be bound in. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not feeding your own flesh. It's wonderful freedom to choose, you know, to choose to let someone push in in the queue and not react. That's freedom. (laughs) You know why it's freedom? Because you've got the freedom to step back and say, okay, you dipstick, step in. But if you've got to react and respond, read your highway code, you camel driver. If you've got to do that, then you're not free. True? I've got to tell him, I've got him a piece of my mind. That's not free. The advice is free. <laughs> but you're not free inside because I've got to tell him. Just got to let him know how I feel. That's not free. That's bound. You're bound by your emotions that you don't feel free until you've told the other guy and you've made them sick or you've made them cry. True? That's not free. So there are factors that shape and purify our motives. Let me give you the first one. Our motivations. Yeah? Another word could be inclination. A person's natural tendency or urge. You've all got tendencies and you've all got urges. True? And a guy on a, a, guy on a Friday night, when a few beers inside him, he's got an urge to merge. True? So he's going to go look for a woman or a woman for a man because it's a female urge as much as it's a male urge. True? And they're going to look for each other so they, have the, so they can fulfill the urge of the merge or the law of the urge of the merge as I call it. Yeah? It's a person's natural tendency to act in a very particular way. That's what it means. Do you know people who have strange inclinations? Look at your husband and say, you're one of them. You have a particular weird way, like you leave your socks on the floor or you don't wash the dishes or you let your biscuits go dunking in your tea and you let them float. 
Or you have to separate your food. It's like, it's like the Red Sea. You've got, to, you've got to put the mashed potatoes on that side and so the gravy can flow through the middle. And you call it spiritual. You call it, no, you're just weird. But over the years, I've learned that the grace of God covers you. But you don't think you've got any. And you think grace has just been given to you for him. She looks at you. Or he looks at her and she says, little do you know that my grace has held back from me telling you what you're really like. Because his motive is, if he does, she won't wash, cook and clean for him. But there's inclinations there. There's motives there. True? So our motivation. I've got an inclination. There's certain things that I like. I think one of my inclinations is I love the ocean. I love boats. I love walking around marinas looking at boats. I'm never going to own one. I've never got time to go and sit on one. But I want one. I want one. And I want a docking big one. I don't want one I've got to row. I want, basically, let me put it, I want a ship. I don't want a boat, I want a ship. And I want a docking big one. I don't want it, in, I don't want it stored in, 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 the, in the, uh, the harbor. I want it out on the ocean. That's right. I want, I want to... That's my inclination. End of. Slide six. Oh. Everything we say has a reason and a motive behind it. Do you know that? I'm only telling you because. Just thought I'd tell you this. Because. I know you don't know me, but I just thought I need to tell you this. I need. Because the motive is what causes an action to come. True? So pure motives want things out in the light. Pure motives want things out in the light. So pure motive says, Lord, I know you've been speaking to me about my heart. And you know you've been speaking to me in certain areas. Lord, I'm coming to speak to you about that thing. My motive is to get pure with God. Yeah? And that's always a wonderful thing in a relationship with God, that when God sees his believers coming to him and saying, Lord, cleanse my heart, purify my heart, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Why? Because the desire on the ground and the motive behind the prayer is to make me clean so I can fellowship with you at a greater level. That's a beautiful place to be. But you see, so many people have, have, um, have got the me at the center of everything they do. Their motives are always me-driven. They're soulistic. Because when they talk, it's, they're emotional. And when, they say, when I say they're emotional, it's all about them. Everything always comes back to them. It starts from them and comes back to them. You're sick? Oh, yeah, well, I had a bigger sickness than that. <laughs> True? Have you ever met people like that? Well, you know, I was in debt. How much was you in debt for? Oh, five. Oh, flipping it. Oh, you, you know, our, our Jimmy, our Jimmy's, oh, our Jimmy's worse than you. Oh, my husband was in hospital. What do you have? Oh, he's serious. Oh, my husband was even worse than that. <laughs> me, me, me. Rather than listening and saying, oh, that's a shame. Sorry to hear about that. How can I help? No, me's got to finish off the conversation. So the last impression is they walk away with is me. What you're telling them is you've not heard. You're not concerned. I know there's not people in here that are like that. You're the pure bunch. I know you are. Me is central. It, me is carnal thinking. It's emotional. It's soulistic. Yeah, amen? Me central thinking. What about the motivations of morals and ethics and values that benefit others? Amen? It's not about you, it's about others. So pure motives want things out in the open. Two Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time each will receive his praise from God. You see, you might want everything to be out in the open. But here's where wisdom is needed. Here, what I'm going to say now. Wisdom is, first of all, pure. Right. You think you've got this desire. If you're an emotional person, you say, well, I've just got to tell everybody. Just got to get it all out there now. Just tell out what it really is. Tell you what you're really like. So I've got it off me. 
But there's no wisdom there. True? But I've got a desire to just get it all out there. The Bible says there's wheats and tares. You can't pull the wheat up because you'll pull the whole thing up. The tear up, sorry. You can't pull it all up because you'll, you, without it being watered, the ground being watered, you pull everything up. True? That's why you don't go root, you know, pulling roots up when it's not. It's better to pull a root up when it's been water, uh, raining. True? The ground's where you can pull things up and you can leave some stuff. But the Bible says the end of the age will finally separate everything. The motives of men's hearts will finally be acknowledged, finally be judged, and the Bible says we'll separate them. No problem. But you, in the meantime, who want to see some separation of some stuff, you have to learn to water it. Prayer is a good thing. When you want to see someone change and you want to see someone's motives changed, rather than going in and attacking them and challenging them, pray about the situation first. Spend a couple of weeks just praying about the situation. When you have to, and then what you'll find is, when you go and talk to that person, they bring it up themselves. You don't have to put your trowel in the ground, not trowel, what do you call it? Spade in the ground, sorry, and dig it up. You'll find God is doing something beyond you. Why? Because you prayed about it. You can't separate everything. Make sure your heart, your heart is right first. Make sure your motive is pure and patient and clean and clear. Some things have to be left to God. Amen? It's amazing how many people come to... Pastor, I've just got to tell you this morning. It's been on my heart. I've just got to tell you how I feel against you. And I'm supposed to sit there and go, well, thank God for that. And then they walk away like, a wet, you know, like John Wayne, smoke, put back in the gun. And I'm sat there bleeding. I say to him, the way you came to me has got to stop. Think about what you say before you say it. Think how you're going to say it. Did you pray about it before you came and talked to me? Well, I've just got to get it off my chest. See? They're not bothered about how you feel. They're bothered about them getting clear. But it's not right. Dead legs. We have to acknowledge other people. So the motives will reveal the nature of our will. So first of all, pure motives want things out in the light, but motives will reveal the nature of your will. Yeah? So what John chapter 5, verse 9, 19 to 20, Jesus gave them the answer, I'll tell you the truth. The Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because what the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yet to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Jesus only ever did what he saw the father doing. Now, when Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness and tried to get him to turn the stones into bread, the temptation was not to turn stones into bread, was not to bow down. That was not. He used them as tools. The temptation was to get Jesus to work independently from his father. Right? Because Jesus kept saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. So for Jesus to turn the stones into bread, his Father was not doing it. Do you see? Satan will always use things to trap you. But did God say? That was the issue in the Garden of Eden. Did God say? It'll always be the issue. So Jesus is saying here is that, my will is revealed. In other words, my father, I'm hungry. My father's not doing that, so I won't do it. So he's used his will to say, I won't do what my father's not doing. I refuse to do what my father is not doing. What is the most difficult thing you have with your children? It's to try and get them to adopt your will. True? Come on. You're no different with your heavenly father. He wants you to adopt your heavenly father's will. But your will will reveal your motive. If I do this, he'll give me that. You ever done that for your parents? Have you done that for your boss? You feather in your own nest. If he's looking, I'll do it while he's looking. In the hope that he might do something. Come on. 
And yesterday when I gave that five pound back, my father was looking. Because that's what my father would have done. That's what my father told me to do. I didn't need, in many ways, I did not need my father to tell me, give the change back. Why? Because I have enough God conscience to tell me. My father just kept breathing on me. Son, heaven's watching you here. So motives will always reveal the nature of our will. Jesus shows us that he was not only motivated by his father's will, but to do his father's will. I want to do my father's will, not just know about my father's will. See, you come to church, but what's your motive? What is your motive for coming to church? Well, I, 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 I meet people that I like. That's called a benefit. But now that's your motive. I'm coming just to meet people. I might find a wife, might find a husband, might find a pain. You come to church for all many different reasons. There's only one reason why, well, there's a couple of reasons, not one. One of the reasons why we should come to church is, first of all, to connect with him. Second is to become part of a body. Third is so that you can receive the word so you can go and do the word. Amen? There's many reasons why we come to church. So slide seven. John, uh, John 1, 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came, motive, I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John didn't have a motive other than to reveal Christ. His motive and his will went together. He put it together. There was nothing self-seeking about John. There it says, but the reason I came, the reason means the motive behind why I'm here. The reason I came, I came baptizing with water, was that he might be revealed to Israel. Wow. Wow. Motives reveal our true intent. Motives reveal our true intent. Let me read this because I think it's very important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, it is, I'm not writing this to shame you. I'm not writing this letter to shame you, but to warn you. Now, does that sound self-explanatory? Does that sound very clear? That his motive revealed his true intent. True? I'm writing this to, not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Wow. For this reason, I'm sending you Timothy. So when Timothy turns up, don't be despising him. I'm letting you know what the intent is here. I want, I'm using him because he will remind you of me. Hello? So Paul's very clear. He's in the open. Why he's doing what he's doing. One of the most confusing things in life is when you're in a company and you hear orders coming downstairs, but you never understand why. True? And you never get an explanation why. It's just an order. Just do it. It's always good to understand the intent behind the motive. So he says, he who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life. Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will not come to you soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Paul is very clear. Make your motive, make the intent of your motives very, very clear. I have been trying to make the motive of my intentions very clear to you as a church about discipleship. Why? Why we need to enter into discipleship. It's not a new concept. It's, 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 it's written right there. But for us, the way we're going to do it, this is, this is going to set us up. Why? The reason why I'm asking for commitment, the reason why I'm asking for um, for um, Word. 
a word I wrote in the letter. Reliability is because I want you to see the motive behind my heart for asking you to do this in the hope that God will show you also the need. Slide nine. The reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test. Wow. And be obedient in everything. This is what Paul's saying. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I also forgiven, have forgiven. If there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven it in the sight of Christ for your sake. For your sake. There's a lot of I have's there. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Have we got the right scripture there? No. Where have we gone? All right. You're ahead of me. The reason I wrote to you, he says, is the very reason why I wrote to you. He's making it clear that Satan is trying to outwit him. And he needs to have his motive and his intent understood in the people. Why? Because then the people will trust him. Hello? It's so important that when you're revealing your motive and your intent, you do so so that it creates trust in the environment. You say to the child, hold daddy's hand while you cross the road. And the child wants to go on its own. Because as the child's growing up, he feels he doesn't need daddy's hand anymore. But you know that the, dad, dad, the, the road, you know the road. You know how unpredictable that road can be. The child just sees it can walk on its own. But you understand and how to navigate the difficulties of that road. So you say, hold daddy's hand. Why? Because daddy wants the child to understand. So when the child walks across the road and he sees the traffic, the child thinks to himself, daddy only had my best interest at heart. And hopefully it breeds a trust within the child. How many of us are trying to walk a path without holding father's hand? Father says, you don't know this. Well, Lord, I've been a Christian 20 years. You don't know this. You don't know this way. Oh, but God, I know this. I can do it. I can do it. You, listen, you don't. So God says, okay. He lets you have some experience. Then you come back and say, God, I didn't, I didn't realize. God says, I know. So now you've had a taste of your own medicine. Now you, it breeds an element of trust. You think, next time I'll listen to dad. Why? Because you see your father only has your interest at heart. That's, that's Christianity 101. Trusting God to know that he's got your back. Amen? You see, there's always people who speak with alternative motives. In Acts 14, 1, it says that Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. And there they spoke so effectively. Listen. And yet a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. So that's good. But then the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. It's amazing. And when you've got impure motives in your heart, you'll take what's being said, you'll twist it, and you'll go and find someone you can land your thoughts on. So you can turn them around, and by doing that, you create fellow believers. But I know none of you have ever done that, because we're pure. Second factor that shapes our motives, and on this we'll finish, is the motive behind our deeds and conduct. In other words, there's inside and outside. What do I mean by that? Well, as you've been reading in the scripture here, is there an inward an outward consistency inconsistency in your life? Are you two-faced? Two-faced. For we, for the appeal we make was not, um, was not sprung from error or impure motives. Hello? For the appeal we made did not spring up from error or impure motives. There it is, clear statement right there. no. No, we weren't even trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with this gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You've known. We have never used flattery, nor did we even put mask to cover up our greed. Listen to the sincerity of his heart here. 
God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from men, nor from anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you. Like a mother caring for her little children. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because, actually, we like you. We like you. And you come dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You're a witness of this. How only righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. How many of you know that there was a consistency? The outward and inward. Everything they did was open, out in the open. The motives were clean, pure. It was all for their benefit. All for their benefit. And then we get the, is there an outside appearance, but an inside difference? Indifference. So you look, and I know these people don't come to our church. They look good on the outside, but in the inside, they're rotten. Because in church, church is the place where we all want to look good. We all raise our holy hands. We all come clean, washed, suited, and booted. And we all want to give the outward appearance that the inward is the same as the out. But you know, if you, only, you only need half an ounce of perception, don't you? To look at some people and think, you're a scam. You're not all you're cracked up to be. Anybody seen anybody like that? Anybody met like that? Anybody sat next to one like that? Don't put your hand up. Because they're out there. You meet them every day. Someone comes to you with a few buzzwords. Give you a few buzzwords. Make, want, you, want to set a good impression. Hit him with some, you know, with some floundering. And then afterwards you go, oh, he's full of it, him. He's full of it. He's not all what he cracks up to be. Now, they're saying that about you. Just as you've said it about others. But I know those people don't come here. So let me give you this last scripture. That's 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 to 11. Sorry, that was a... No. The last one is, is there an inward and outward deception? Bible says this because I want to finish, skip a, skip, a, skip a scripture and just move on to Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your heavenly father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. The Pharisees were full of it. The Pharisees would stand on the corner, wear all their regalia, just like, have you ever seen the bishops? The bishops stand there, the Church of England, with all the pomp and ceremony. They've got more tunics and cloaks than anything else. What do they do? Sweat like mad with all that kind of stuff on. And they sat there, looking like the holy. But God knows the heart. That doesn't mean to say every one of them has got impure, by the way. But we're saying so often the church has, has created more uniforms, more tradition, more all kinds of nonsensical traditions to make those within the tradition look better than those outside. Look how much pomp and sediment goes on when the Pope's elected. Just light a fire and choose one. Yeah, just light a fire and choose one. Damn me. Yeah, put him on it. Yeah, I'll put the old ones on it. It's amazing. And then the Swiss guards come in. They've never fought a war in their life. But they've got Swiss guards. And everyone's got a uniform. Because a uniform symbolizes something. And if you're, if, you're the only one who's only, if you're the only one who hasn't got a uniform, it means you're not important. You shouldn't be here. How did you get in? And that's the church for you. That's the church. Wonderful at creating uniforms. But the Bible says we don't conform to the patterns of this world. And the, the, the religious Pharisees love to stand on the corner and let the people see. And Jesus said, they're going to get their reward in full, don't worry. They're going to get their reward, don't worry. 
Their day's coming. When their day comes, they're in trouble. But you, you who are sincere, you are pure, go into your room and pray. And when you pray, pray our Father. It's your Father. And when you pray to him, it says, uh, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. Why? Because he's going to bless the pure motive. Don't worry what others, don't try and let everyone see your intentions. Don't work so everyone understands what you're doing. Be clear and pure and sincere before your father and people will see it. People will see it. You don't have to keep going and say, well, when I said that, David, I didn't really mean that. I mean that. He's going to be thinking, what's wrong with you? Just walk right before your father and people will see the life. They'll see the light. Why? Because God is seriously, seriously resisting the Pharisee mentality. See, it's amazing, and, and only the end of the age will re, uh, reveal it, how many people in church are serving because they want to look good? How many musicians suddenly, they get hold of the microphone, and all of a sudden when they get hold of the microphone, they look like scuppers, half of them. And then when they pick the microphone, it's, oh, Jesus, we just want to love you. It's like they, they just walk into this act, don't they? You see them there in the church, they've got the fingers up the nose, can't worship. Then all of a sudden you give them a microphone, and all of a sudden they get spiritual. Think, where did all that come from? And then you hear the preacher, when he talks to you off, outside the, uh, the pulpit, he talks to you normal. And then when he gets the microphone, it's, and the Lord would say, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and you're thinking, what's wrong with you? When I talk to you, when you haven't got a microphone in front of you, you talk to me normal. And then it's, uh, 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 can I get a witness? No, shut up. And there's this total different person. Yeah, transformation. And it's like, are you our pastor? What, you know, you should be the same. And then they have, you know, all of a sudden they get this towel, put it down there, this sweat. Well, you maybe shouldn't be so big. Come on. I say that for your benefit, not for mine. And it's amazing. No one can look at the lifestyle, but now they expect you to accept the package. And, it's, and then they hide behind God. God makes them sweat. God makes them stutter. But you know and I know, come on, inside your heart when you're watching that, you know it's an act. Come on, be honest with yourself. If I started doing that, you'd all look at each other and think, what's wrong with him? Would you not? Why? Because you know that's not me. But if I started doing it, then you would say, something's wrong. But these guys have always been doing it, and there's something still wrong. I understand style. But let's call it what it is. Style. That's all it is, a style. People want to see genuine authentic, pure. Now, it doesn't mean say you can't be clean, pure, and authentic because you've got a stutter, stuttered style. I'm not saying that, but only God knows the, the, the true intentions of our hearts. See, in the Old Testament, everything was on the outside. Everything they did was on the outside because the inside was never judged. You took your, you took your cow, your donkey, whip, not your donkey, your, your, your lamb, and you took it to the priest and he sacrificed it for you. But you never changed. You stayed the same. But God would forgive the nation because of the sins, but you never changed. So you, everything was, look, you could lust after somebody else's wife. Why? No one ever knew. Because there was no covetousness. You didn't know that without the law. So I could get away looking at someone else's wife, and, my, and all I had to do was keep bringing a donkey. Not donkey, I keep saying donkey, don't I? A sheep, a lamb, a goat. A chicken, whatever it is. Old McDonald's farm was there. You gave it to the priest. The priest was done. The priest sacrificed, and you could walk away free. But you never changed. But now in Christ, Christ says, "You without sin, pick up the first stone." Now it all changes, because now only He 
could do that because he was the one that was going to go to the cross for the very sin that you carried. He was the model. His motives was clean. His motives were pure. He wasn't being critical. I'm the one who's going to have to pay for that, what you've got inside your heart. I'm the one. So Christ could say that. But now, it's not about the external, it's about the internal. It's all about the internal. Christ now looks at the heart. And each one of us have to stand before the Almighty. And our heart must always be examined. And like David prayed, create in me a pure heart, O God. When Nathan revealed to David that he'd sinned, he said, against you have I sinned. Instantly, he directed his sin towards David. Uh, sorry, God. Now, David had a God consciousness that told him, I need not only forgiving, I need changing. No one, see, most of us are quite happy to be forgiven. Think about it. You do something, you say, I come to Phil, I'm sorry for saying that, you're forgiven. We're quite happy to receive forgiveness. But if someone says, we'll have to sit down and change. Sit down what's wrong inside your life. Whoa, no, we don't want that. I don't have to change, I just want you to forgive me. No, no, no. Now you're a Christian, responsibility. Change comes by responsibility. Only Christ can change some of the stuff that you and I have carried and what's wrong inside here. God uses people to help us. But forgiveness is not enough just to see. Many people are going into Catholic churches, Church of England, go and say the mantra, walk out forgiven. He says, you're forgiven. Say four Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, whatever it is. They say, or whatever you have to do, whether it's tradition, religions, throw some water on you, or whatever it is, it's all outward. So they go away and go back and go and do what they're doing. And then they come back to church again. Nothing ever changes. But when you stand before the living God, he says, I want your heart. I have forgiven you. I have already died for you. But you need to change. There it is. Most of us want forgiveness without change. It is. Forgiveness is a lot easier than change. Why? You become purified through change. Amen? You come pure, you, purification takes place through change. Forgiveness doesn't change a lot in you. It might change a lot of things around you and beyond you, but actually in you. Because I, the Lord, want to change the heart. Because I'm a heart kind of God. I'm not a flesh. I'm not a traditional. I'm not a um, religious God. I'm a heart God who wants relationship. Amen? That's why when, he, when, when we're in the worship this morning, he held us in, in, in the ballroom. He held us and looked at us. Whoa, that's relationship. Let's stand to our feet. The Bible says that the world might die for a good man but he won't die for a righteous man. Good and righteous are two different things. The world might die for someone who's good, but it, it won't die for a righteous man. We are righteous through what Christ has achieved. But our righteousness is depended, or I should say the maintenance of our righteousness is dependent upon the purity we carry in our hearts, amen? Through faith. We are made righteous, but we are being made pure. So let's just lift up our hands. Stand before God this morning and say, Lord, it's not enough for me to be forgiven. I need to be changed. In order to be changed, I need to be challenged. When I'm challenged... My eyes are open and I make a choice. I, my will is now involved. And when I actively involve my will, I make a quality decision. I'm, I choose to walk in the light as you are in the light so that I can have fellowship with you and with one another. 
if you truly want purity rather than just forgiveness, then just talk to God right now and say, Lord, this is what you need to do in my heart. I acknowledge your word this morning that I, moved, I need to move from clean to pure. My motives have to be exposed in order for them to be acknowledged. And as I acknowledge my sin before you, my misalignment, my inaccuracy, my Lord, I'm asking you to put your will inside of my life so that your will becomes my will. I'm asking heaven to break over my life because it's first of all pure. Give me the wisdom that's pure to seek this relationship for you. I want a relationship with Christ Jesus, the man. I don't want tradition. I don't want relationship with tradition, obligations, duty, performance. I want it to come from a clean, sincere, pure heart. Lord, create in me this. Give me a steadfast spirit so that I will be able to teach sinners your ways. For you desire truth in my innermost parts and I desire your truth in my innermost parts. So Lord, the two wills come together. Create in me. This is my prayer, O oh God. I ask it in Jesus' name.